But we're getting back to the armor of God today, and we've been talking about our big idea for this message series, that God fights for us. And I am so thankful that God is a warrior God who fights for us. But in Ephesians chapter 6, we've been learning that we are called to put on the armor of God. And many of these pieces of armor are pieces that God himself wears. We've already talked about the belt of truth. And we've talked about the shoes of readiness. And we've talked about uh, the, the uh, breastplate of righteousness. Those first three pieces of armor are pieces that we read in Ephesians 6. We've already been put on. Jesus has put those on us. We stand in truth. We stand in righteousness. We stand ready by receiving the gospel and sharing the gospel. But now today we're going to turn a corner and we're going to see that Paul is telling us to put on the rest of the armor. We take some responsibility for putting on these next pieces of armor. And today we're going to be talking about the shield of faith specifically. And we're going to have a great time talking about that today. Uh, But we're going to talk about what we do to engage the enemy today. So it's going to be great. So we're going to let the kids go to their classes in just a moment. For the rest of us, there's donuts and fruit and coffee. I hope you'll grab some refreshments. And while you're moving around in the next seven minutes, here's what I want you to do. Have a conversation with somebody, and I've given you a topic to talk about, all right? Would you find somebody and tell them a story about a time when you took a big risk? A time when you took a big risk. We talked about this with our connection group this last week. My risk, my big risk in my life was when I decided to get married to my wife, Chris. And, uh, and, and it was a big risk, not because I didn't think she would be a great wife, but I didn't know if I could be an adequate husband. And, and I was taking a big risk. So that's mine. Find somebody to share that with, but grab some refreshments. Kids, go to your classes. We'll get started in about seven minutes. All right, would you find your seats, please? And while you're finding your seats, would you sing with me, please? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You're going to want to sing. H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O. Do you remember when you were a kid and you thought that L, M, N, O, P was one word? Q, R, S, N, T, U, V, W, X, Y and Z, now I know my ABCs. Now, big ending. Next time, won't you sing with me? E-I-E-I-O. Okay, all right, we're going to stop right there. (laughs) Today, I'm going to share with you the ABCs of faith as we talk about the shield of faith today. So that's what that's all about. But to begin with, I'm going to ask Chaz Ellswick to come and join me on the stage. And I've asked him to share a story with us today that he and his wife shared with our connection group last week. And unfortunately, Danelle has a sick kid at home, Chaz. So thank you for coming. I'm so glad that you're here. Oh, thanks for having me. And you guys have been on an amazing faith journey, walk, what, what would you call it? Challenging, uh, amazing, but uh, incredibly um, testing, uh, but in the end, total God all the way through. Yeah. So tell us, uh, you, you moved from California to Bozeman mm-hmm. about a year ago? About seven months, yeah. Okay. And tell us what the plan was. Okay. Um, basically, uh, our, our son, if you haven't met him, Caden, he's in the back a lot of times, usually running around the church going crazy. Um, he was 
for us a miracle child. We it took forever for us to um, conceive, and and uh, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And so when we had him, uh, we're somewhat older. It was just a huge blessing in our life, and we really wanted the best for him. And um, as we were in California. Uh, things, we were in the Sacramento area, we heard all the new laws that were coming out on the radio being the capital, and the more and more we heard, we're like, this is not a good place to raise a family. And um, my family's been here for many, many years, and I've been coming to Bozeman for many years, and they extended an invitation to us um, to come up and, and stay with them, um, and uh, for me to get a job up here instead of, of down in California, and uh, take that, that was a step of faith in itself. And they would, they would have a place for us to stay, and so we could purchase a home and, and get established and have a good place for our son to be raised. And, of course, grandparents and my, my wife's parents moved also with us, and so a great place to raise our son. And we made that step of faith. Um, God provided a job for me, and my wife got a job here, and uh, things were falling into place, and we began that home-buying journey here in Bozeman, which, for those of you that have bought, know that it's quite a long process. Um, we, uh, you know, applied for many homes where sometimes we're signing on the dotted line and, uh, right then we get a call saying a, a developer had bought it out from under us. And so, te- you know, time after time we were losing our opportunity and talking to real estate agents, we were finding out there were less and less opportunity within our price range. And so we we're like, we've got to do something. We found a home finally a few months ago. Uh, from a private seller in Bozeman, and we're like, within an hour, we put it down an offer. You know, we're like, we got to jump in while we can. And we started that process. We had a mortgage agent, and uh, things seemed to be falling right into place. And, you know, we started that process, and they told us it was going to be about 60 days, so we're like, great. And everything was going good. And, and you guys really liked this home, right? Yeah, yeah, it was everything uh, wh- we wanted. Why did you feel like this was the house? Um, well, it met the needs of, of my job because um, I, I work in IT and sometimes I have to work late. There's a bonus room above where I, the, the families I, – I can get up in the middle of the night to do work if I have to without disturbing them. Good location. It's right next to good schools uh, for our son. Um, just a, a, a great layout. It's basically everything we wanted. And uh, so we were like, this is it. You know, thank you, God. This is awesome. Yeah. And so we, we started trusting in God and we're like, okay – and every time paperwork would come electronically, we'd sign it, get it right back in, and we finished every single step. And we're like, good, we've got a few weeks left to go. We can coast. It's in the bag. And then my wife got uh, – well, let me back up. The, the thing was I was having a great devotional time about that time. And uh, one of those times, if you've ever had those, where it seems like God is really speaking to you uh, incredibly strong. And I was reading through Hebrews chapter 11, which talks about faith. And, and talks about all the people throughout history that have put their faith in God and, and what God did. And, and I've read that a hundred times, I bet. But this time, I really saw the faithfulness of God back toward them um, as, you know, they were putting their faith in him. And I saw the goodness of God. And, I mean, it was one of those times where God just kind of supercharged me, and I felt so spiritually full. What I didn't know at that time was God was getting ready to put us through a trial of faith. And I think he filled me up for a purpose to, to hang on. And we had everything going good. And then all of a sudden, um, my wife is notified that she might be, her job might be in jeopardy. And we're like, oh no, you know, we're right in the middle of closing. And, and it's like, what does this mean? And so we began to pray. And it's like, we were just holding on, doing everything we could. And it was right. And as I was reading through Hebrews 11, prior to that, one thing that stood out to me was Abraham more than ever and, and, and how God was faithful to him. And, and when I, we got the news, 
um, I, it was like God spoke to me and he's saying, I need you to lay the house on the altar. I need you to give it over to me and trust me with it. And, uh, and I remember, I think we were sitting right over there uh, on, on a Sunday morning after church, and I shared that with Danelle, and she was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and, and I'm like, I don't know, but this is what I feel God is laying on our heart to do. And, and for people that maybe don't know the story of mm-hmm. Abraham, can you, can you just tell us a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, just summarize that story. Yeah, basically, um, Abraham was, uh, and still is considered among the Jews, the father of faith. Uh, they, they, he's a good example of faith for them and a great example. And what it was was in those days especially, um, it was not good if you didn't have children. And Abraham and Sarah, his wife, were not able to have any children. And so, uh, I mean, they, they got to the point that Abraham was 100 years old. And they still had no child. And God made a promise to him and spoke to him and saying, you're going to have a son. And, he, and they both couldn't believe it. They didn't believe it. And God blessed them with a son named Isaac and at, at 100 years old. And so um, they, they put their faith in God. They thanked God for him. And they began raising Isaac. And a period of time came where God tested Abraham and said, I want you to give Isaac back to me and sacrifice him on the altar. Back in those days, they did animal sacrifices. They did those things to to keep a relationship with God, which we don't have to do anymore. But God was asking him to give me your son and give his life. You sacrifice him. And Abraham's faith was so strong in God, even though he didn't understand, he went through to prepare for that process. And uh, and the story goes that at the last minute, um, God reached out as basically the knife was coming down on Isaac and he stopped Abraham and said, now I know that you trust me, you believe in me, you love me. I am not going to have you do this. And he provided a ram at the last minute and, and spared Isaac. And so you felt like God was asking you to put your house that you were about to close on, mm-hmm. on the altar like Abraham. Right. And, and please understand, this was not a material thing. This was our home. Um, we had put off um, moving uh, or you know buying a home for a long time on purpose. We we've done a lot of missions work. We traveled the world. We wanted to do that while we were younger, and before we had our son. And uh, so we and we we always felt like Sacramento wasn't going to be our home. So this was more than the whole thing of coming up here was to establish family, to establish a home, to establish a safe place for our son. So that was all being mm-hmm. asked to lay mm-hmm. on the altar. So that was tough for you and tough for Danelle. Yeah, extremely tough. We we just didn't know. And, and uh, what made it even harder was we were staying with family. I don't know if, if you ever stayed with family as adults in the same home, two families living together. Challenging in itself. And uh, we were going through a lot of stress on a daily basis, which was multiplied when this happened. Um, because then there was, there was anger, there was frustration um, with us. Like, it's your fault. What are you going to do? We can't have you stay here. So we're like, well, what does that mean? Do we have to get an apartment now and give everything up? What does it mean to lay it on the altar? Do we sacrifice everything and just, you know, start over? And so it was at that time that I, you know, Abraham was still in my mind, and I went back to really reading the story of Genesis and uh, started saying, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want us to let the house go, tell the mortgage agent, forget it, we'll go rent an apartment and hope for the best down the road? And uh, the, the thing was, as I was reading through Genesis, something stuck out to me more than ever before. Um, you know, Isaac was the promise. He was the, you know, basically Abraham could have given up, just gone through it, says forget it. But Abraham, the Bible says, believed that God was going to make this happen no matter what. And the sto- in, in Hebrews it says he believed that even if necessary, God would raise Isaac from the dead. He, this Isaac was his son. He would go through with it, 
but he trusted God to do what he couldn't do and make it happen anyway. And there was a story in Genesis where he's going with Isaac, and I, I put myself in Abraham's shoes as a father, and uh, where he's being asked to sacrifice his son, whom he dearly loved, probably a hundred times more than we would today because he meant everything to him. He was the only son he was probably ever going to have. And so he's going along, and he takes some servants with him, and he's walking along, preparing probably emotionally for the journey, knowing that he's going to have to say goodbye to his son, take his son's life. And as they're going, he sees the place where he's supposed to do the sacrifice in a distance. And the Bible says that he turns to his servants at that moment, and he says, you stay here. And he says, we're going over there to worship, and we will return to you. And that really stood out to me is like, all right, Abraham didn't just say, well, God, maybe you'll fix this someday. He was like, no, no, no. In the next couple of hours, three hours, it's going to be done. It'll be fixed. And we will return. We will return. So, so cool. Isaac's coming back. And uh, so he had that kind of faith in that moment. Yeah. And, and I started looking at it as like, okay, God, with us, the house is meaningless. It's a building. But we need a home. And we're going through, we're about at our wit's end with, with the situation where we're living in. And, uh, and God, you promised you're never going to put us through more than what we can handle. And we're right at that point. And, and I said, you are pro-family. You want families to be together. You started this journey with us. You want to see this through. So, God, I'm going to trust you that you want us to have this home. So that's what I began to pray. God, help our faith. And during that time, it was a huge test because there was things spoken to us by people saying, give up. God doesn't want you to have this. Just give up completely. Um, the, the enemy was speaking into our minds going, this, um, you know, this is not of God and you've blown it. You messed up somewhere. It's all your fault. Give it up. It's, it's over. You know, and there was all these tests and we were being just pounded. It seemed like day after day after day. And through it all, we just kept holding on and trusting and believing God. Well, Danelle went through several job interviews, and you know how that process goes. It can take forever, and there's multiple interviews, multiple companies. And um, finally, it was, just, it was coming down to the wire. And uh, the, the thing was is that we, she had a couple of companies looking at her. Neither one was calling her back. We were, were trying to reach out to them. I get a, an email from the mortgage agent saying, we have to know. Buy, end of business day tomorrow. Otherwise, we got to let the, the seller know this could all fall through. And we're like, oh, no. You know, God, we need something to happen here. And, and so, the, you know, we responded back. We're, we're waiting on two offers. The very next day at 3 p.m., Danelle gets a phone call. Now, here's the interesting thing. It was from a, a company here in the area that's owned by Christians. And what they said was it was the wife of the, the owner of the company, and she said, we're calling you to give you the job offer, but we want you to know why. She said, we, have several, we had a couple more interviews left to do with some other candidates, but we couldn't hardly sleep last night. Something kept telling us to hire you now. And, and the thing was, my wife broke down at that point in time and said, you have no idea. We were two hours away from possibly losing our home. And so we, they said, you're hired, you start this date. And, and the mortgage agent said, just get us the paperwork. They reworked the loan. We finished it closing. We're moved into our new home. Isn't that awesome? That's a great story. Charles, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. How many of you can relate to that story where you, you have been taking a walk of faith and it's been tough? 
I, I'm sure most of us have probably had. This is why I had you ask the question and, and share stories about a time you took a risk. Because sometimes there's big risks in life, and I'm sure you can probably relate to some story of Chaz's experience. It, for you, it might be some sort of a financial crisis where you were up against the wall financially and you didn't know how you were going to pay that bill. You didn't know how you were going to get through the next month. You didn't know what you're going to eat tomorrow. Maybe that's the kind of a thing for you. Or maybe for some of you, it's been one of those things where you were pressured to compromise your morals. And, and that pressure was so overwhelming, you didn't know if you could stand up against the pressure. Or maybe there was a time for you when you were aware that somebody needed to hear about your faith and you had the opportunity to share your faith, but you knew that rejection or persecution could come and it could be absolutely devastating to you or even to your career. Or maybe for you, it's been a time when your faith was tested just through simple temptation and the enemy has been shooting darts at you and trying to wear you down to give in to that one temptation and, and it just seems irresistible. And the question I want to ask today is this. How do you shield yourself from these kind of attacks from the enemy? And we're going to look to Ephesians chapter 6 today to get some wisdom. And then we're going to cruise through some other parts of the Bible today to answer that question. How do you shield yourself from the attacks of the enemy? If you've got your Bibles with you, you might want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. It'll be up on the screen, and we're going to just rewind and read where we've already been. And, uh, and this is a passage in Ephesians 6 that's called the armor of God. And here's what we read. Paul the Apostle is writing, and he says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And again, that's all things that we've already put on if we're in Christ. And then he turns a corner in verse 16. He says, in all circumstances, now we're going to be active. He says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Let me read that one more time. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. I'm going to share with you this morning the ABCs of faith. And if you've got note cards, or maybe you haven't, they're right up here and there's some back there. If you're taking notes this morning, uh, I just want to warn you, we're going to do this a little bit out of order. We're going to start with letter B today because I want to tell you uh, what faith is and what it looks like. So feel free to grab some notes if you haven't already got them. But we're going to start with B, okay? And you'll understand why in a second. B stands for this. Faith is belief. Faith is belief. Throughout the New Testament, we read really interesting things about how faith and belief work. Galatians chapter 2 says this. We have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. And what we learn from this verse is that when I believe, I'm reconnected to God. Just simply believing brings you back into relationship with God. It's just that simple. Galatians 3.26 says, You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 
So when I believe in Jesus, I'm adopted into this incredible family of faith. I've got brothers and sisters I never knew I had. I'm connected to my Father in heaven. We're a part of this spiritual family. And it all happens just when I say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Romans 5.1 says this, great verse. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what we learn from this verse is that when we believe, we are justified. We've talked about this a lot this last year. Do you remember what justified means? Just as if I'd never sinned. So when you say yes to Jesus, when you say yes, I believe, you are given a brand new start, a brand new life, and it's just like you've never sinned. It's awesome. And all these things happen simply because we believe in Jesus. Faith is belief. I remember when I first came to faith in Jesus, or at least when I made a decision that would impact the rest of my life, that I was going to be a believer in Jesus. I was a junior in high school, and I attended a home Bible study at one of my my buddy's houses, and and this uh, leader shared the gospel, and and that night as he prayed for us, I remember making a decision that I was going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. And, And I remember that night so vividly because everything changed in my life. It was just a matter of believing and praying and everything changed. All of a sudden, I couldn't get enough of reading the Bible. It was like something inside of me awakened and I was hungry and thirsty for God's word and I wanted to pray and I wanted to worship and I wanted to be more connected to God and it happened in a moment of time when I believed in Jesus. Faith is belief. But now I want to go back to A. So if you're taking notes, here's A. Faith isn't just belief, but faith is also action. Faith is action. Here's something we read in the book of James, chapter 2. James writes this, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? And then he paints a picture for us. He says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, and stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? That's a great question. And what James is highlighting for us is that faith is also action. And belief that isn't accompanied by action, according to James, is worthless. Faith has to turn into action to do something positive, to have any value. Chaz referenced Hebrews chapter 11, and this is one of the verses. He didn't know that I was going to use this verse uh, But Hebrews 11, chapter 1 is is a great verse that everybody ought to know. It says this, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. In other words, when we believe, a lot of times we are believing in something we hope for. We're believing in something that we think might exist. But we can't see it, we can't touch it, we can't feel it, we can't smell it. But when we put action to that belief, 
quite often there is an evidence that takes place that that faith is actually grounded in reality. There's a great movie clip that probably everybody in the room has seen, and you'll remember this from an old Indiana Jones movie, but it really illustrates what faith married to action looks like. That clip makes my palms sweat. (laughs) But I love Sean Connery in that clip. Sean Connery says, you must believe, boy. And, and, And what he's really saying is, you must put action to your faith, boy. Uh, you know, that, that's what he's trying to say. You've got to take a step, boy. Take a step. Because belief without action isn't going to get him across the chasm. And for us, there's a lot of times when you have to take a step of faith, put action to what you believe, right? If it's, if it's a financial struggle, listen, I believe that God is a generous God. And I believe that God is always faithful. So that's why I give a lot of money away. Because I believe God is generous. And that's, a, that's an action that, that comes with my faith. I believe that God is holy. And I believe that what God wrote in this book, he he really means. And so I honor God with my sexuality. That's action that is connected to my belief. I, I really believe that heaven exists. I really believe that hell is a real place. And I believe that God doesn't want anybody to spend eternity in hell. So I share my faith, putting action to what I believe. I I believe that Jesus died. I believe that Jesus kicked the devil in the teeth when he rose from the dead. And so I resist temptation because I believe that the holiness of Jesus now belongs to me. And so I resist 
the, the onslaught of the enemy of my soul because I believe that Jesus already conquered the devil. Do you believe that? Let me ask you, what is it for you? What do you believe that today God is calling you to put action to and take a step of faith? What is it for you? So B is faith is belief. A is faith is action. Now let's get to C. You ready? Here's C. Faith quenches the D, devil's darts. I, I'm so disappointed. I, I, I really believe somebody was going to call me out on the spelling of that word. Nobody? No, nobody at all. Come on. Uh, John, you caught it, but you, you weren't going to call me out. Uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> You're all like, eh. oh, it's Russ again. Eh. <laughs> Faith quenches the devil's darts. And I'm spelling it with a C because if it was ABQ, you wouldn't remember it. Okay, so this is, this is the ABCs. But faith quenches the devil's darts. Let's go back to Ephesians 6 one more time. In all circumstances, Paul says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Listen, do you know that the devil is bombarding you and me with flaming arrows? These aren't just little temptations. The devil means business here. He's shooting arrows at you and me that are actually on fire. This is what Paul is saying here in Ephesians chapter 6. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said the thief's purpose, the devil's purpose, is to steal and kill and destroy Do you know the devil means business? And the devil wants to take you out. He wants to burn you down. And that's why you need the shield of faith. Let me tell you a little bit about the shield. Uh, Scholars believe that uh, Paul was probably sitting in a Roman prison being guarded by a Roman guard that was wearing a whole suit of armor. And the shield that Paul was probably looking at looked a lot like this that's up on the screen. And the shield is really interesting because I always thought that the Roman shield was probably constructed of metal and that metal would deflect all the arrows. And that's not actually what it was like. The shield was actually made of leather and linen And some shields actually had seaweed sewn into it. And what they would do is they would soak the shields in vinegar. Why? Because warfare at that time involved flaming arrows. They would dip the arrows in pitch and set them on fire and shoot them at people. And so what would happen is not only would you get hit by an arrow, but if the arrow didn't kill you, the fire would. And so the shields were constructed in such a way that they were wet And when the arrows would hit that shield, instead of deflecting the arrows, the shield would absorb the arrow and would quench the fire. Isn't that cool? Because what would happen if a flaming arrow hit you and bounced off the shield? It would set the grass on fire. You'd die in a forest fire, right? So this was brilliant. And what Paul is saying is that your shield of faith will quench the fire of hell. It's really a very cool thing. One Roman soldier recorded historically that when he was done in one particular battle, he counted 220 arrows stuck into his shield. 220. Now, can you imagine 
As a Christian person, if you could successfully absorb 220 attacks of the enemy in one stand, that's what faith does. When we become great at exercising faith and putting our belief into action, we quench the devil's darts. It's an awesome thing. There's a story told in uh, Luke chapter 7 that I find just very inspiring about a man who had great faith. And you might be familiar with this story if you've ever read it. The same story is told in, uh, in another gospel. But in Luke chapter 7, we read about this Roman centurion. A centurion was a Roman soldier, probably wore this armor like we just saw. And this Roman soldier knew about Jesus, and he believed in what Jesus was doing. And one of his servants came down very, very ill, And so he sent a posse of Jewish people to Jesus to ask Jesus to come and heal his servant. And so Jesus said, yeah, I'll come and heal your servant. And he was on his way when another group of Jews came to Jesus from the Roman centurion. And this group of people came and said, listen, the centurion has sent us with this message. Jesus, don't take your time to come and heal my servant. My servant needs healing but I know that you have the power that all you have to do is say the word and my servant will be healed. And this is what Jesus said. I I want you to look at verse nine. I think this is up on the screen. No, if you've got your Bible, you can read it in your Bible. Uh, This is what Jesus said. It says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. This was a Roman. This was a Gentile. This was a non-Jew. And Jesus said, this is the biggest faith I've ever seen. And verse 10 says, when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. Now listen, do you see what's happening here? The devil wanted to destroy this servant. But the centurion had faith in Jesus And he was a believer who took action. He was a believer who sent somebody out to find Jesus and seek healing from Jesus. And what happened? What the devil intended for death in this servant's life turned out to be quenched by the shield of faith. And friends, I believe this can be your story too. This can be your story too when you take up the shield of faith and when you put action to what you believe. So let's go back to what we've learned about the shield of faith. A is this, faith is action. B, faith is belief. C, faith quenches the D, devil's darts. And this is the A, B, C, D. And I did this so you will remember. So I want to put it all together. And this is what, this is what I want you to remember when you leave today. When I act on what I believe, I quench the devil's darts. When I act on what I believe, I quench the devil's darts. Would you say that out loud with me, everybody in the room? When I act on what I believe, I quench the devil's darts. Isn't that ABCD thing really, isn't that just clever? Okay. uh, Come on. Okay, now, all right. It's, it's only worth applause if you really remember it. Okay, so, so do this. Close your eyes and say it with me. Close your eyes. 
When I act on what I believe, I quench the devil's darts. One more time. When I act on what I believe, I quench the devil's darts. So let me ask you this question today, and then we're going to close. What action do you need to take today based on what you believe that will quench the devil's darts? Will you give it some thought? I've, I've thrown some suggestions out to you about some different things, and I don't know what it is for you. I've left spaces in there for you to write in your next steps, and I want you to write some actions in there. And it might be about a financial thing. And if you're like me, you believe that God is good, that that God is faithful, that God is generous, then maybe God is calling you to take a financial risk and give generously or start tithing or, or give something away that's important to you. Maybe God is asking you to take a step of faith with your finances. Or maybe for you, it's your sexuality. And you would say, like me, I believe that God is holy, but I haven't been honoring God with my sexuality. But the action I need to take today is to change something. With the help of Jesus and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, I need to honor God with my sexuality. Or maybe for you, it's about being on mission. Maybe there's somebody in your life that needs to know that Jesus saves us from the pit of hell. And you've been afraid, but you believe that God doesn't want anybody to perish. You believe that like I do. And so you're going to step out and you're going to share your faith with somebody. Or maybe it's just some temptation that I haven't even mentioned this morning, but you feel the onslaught of the enemy. And like me, you believe that Jesus rose from the dead and kicked the devil in the teeth. Anybody with me? I believe Jesus rose from the dead and kick the devil in the teeth. So I'm going to stand against the devil because he has no power over me. When I act on what I believe, I quench the devil's darts. You didn't say it with me. Come on. When I act on what I believe, I quench the devil's darts. What are you going to do? What action are you going to take? Would you put your things aside? We're going to pray in just a minute. Uh, But before we do, I want us to sing a beautiful worship song together. And I think this is a new one, isn't it, Scott? We haven't done this one before. So uh, I listened to this song this week. I love this. Uh, But you might need to listen to a verse or two and then start singing together. But let's stand together. Uh, Let's worship and then we'll pray. All right? Bow your heads with me and let's pray. Mm, Jesus... Where would I be without your grace? Without your grace, Jesus, I I couldn't take a, a step of faith. Without your grace, Jesus, I couldn't even begin to change. It's, it's all what you've done, Jesus. And today, Lord, as we stand in your presence, I, I think many of us just feel grateful that you have changed our lives. Some of us, don't quite understand what grace is. But some of us are just feeling this drawing, Lord, into something new and something different. And it's grace. Jesus, I believe that you died and you took the punishment of our sins so that we wouldn't have to pay the death penalty. You took it, Jesus. 
And then you rose again, conquering death, conquering hell, conquering the devil. You rose again so that we could change our lives through your power that you are pouring into us. And today, Jesus, we just want to come confidently into your grace. If you're here today and you're ready to receive Jesus' grace, maybe you need a fresh start for your life. Maybe you've, you've never said, yes, I believe in Jesus. And maybe today for you, putting action to what you believe is just raising your hand and saying yes to Jesus. Or maybe you just need forgiveness from the failures of the past because you just haven't been walking out what you believe with action. Whatever it is for you, if, if, if you could use prayer today for grace, would you put your hand high in the air? I want to pray for you right where you are. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you specifically. Put your hand up real high if you're coming to grace in Jesus. Keep your hands up. And I want to pray for you. And, and nobody looking around, please. I, I just want to pray powerfully for the people that have their hands raised. Jesus. Thank you for these people that are raising their hands. This is an action that goes with the belief that we're saying yes to Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you. And Jesus, I need forgiveness. I need redemption. I need justification. I need a new start. And so Jesus, with our hands raised, we're just saying yes to you. Jesus, I pray that your blood will wash us clean. And Jesus, I pray that your spirit will change us from the inside out. Jesus, change us. Not that we're going to try harder, but we're going to have this inside empowerment to honor you with our lives. And now all over this room, if you've made a decision today that you're going to put action to something you believe and you're going to quench the devil's darts with your actions, with your act of faith, if that's you, you've made a decision, would you raise your hand? Let me pray for you. All over this place, you're, you're going to take some action of faith this week. Lord, bunches of us have our hands raised. And Lord, one more time, I just want to pray, Lord, that you will empower us to walk out this faith thing. Empower us to take action because this isn't just mental stuff for us. It's not just believing with our heads, but it's taking a step off the precipice into the unknown. And we're going to see, Lord, that faith is the evidence of things we cannot see when we take that step. So, Lord, give us confidence. Give us courage. Help us to take a bold risk and trust you. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Everybody in the room say amen. 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 You remember what amen means? So be, it. so be it. We're in agreement that Jesus is going to do what we just prayed to him for. All right. Thank you for being here this morning, everybody. Say it with me one more time. When I act on what I believe, I quench the devil's darts. All right. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you next week.